You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Good morning. Good morning. That's or, very presumptuous. It, I mean, it is. I was actually just thinking that as I said it, because maybe the person who's listening to this is listening in the afternoon. Yes. The I evening. Mean, yeah, I'm, I'm partial to an evening podcast. Maybe someone's working the night shift and they're listening to this one in the morning. Oh, shout out to you. You're diligent. We appreciate your listens. Yes. Also appreciate your willingness to work the midnight hours, yeah. the graveyard shift, as yeah. it is sometimes colloquially called. That's a hard That's word a to hard say. That's a hard word to say. It really is. And I should stop saying uh, it because I can't. We need, the execution um, falters every time. Yeah, it does. And for me too. I it's, get it. It's just so, there are too many. It's, colloquially. That's you a be- got it. It's the best take I've had of that word in about 13 years. It's <laughs> difficult. Years. It's difficult to say. Even colloquial, it feels like then that okay that turned out better. So never mind. <laughs> yeah. Stepping in it left and right. It's the cue. Yeah, it's that weird cue. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. Because sometimes I will like knowingly shortcut it and make it like a CK, like colloquial. <laughs> yeah. Like sometimes I'll just give up. Colloquial, colloquial. Because you say it fast enough, it still sounds wrong. Never mind. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, shucks. Well, now that our banter is done, quick round of banter that time. Yeah, you know. It's time for another creative commentary. Da-da-da-da. Yeah, it is. Still working on the theme song. Little theme bit for that. (laughs) Little bit of musical Mm, intrigue. You know what? I'll never stop you. And you know, it's fitting because musical intrigue. Oh, it's so fitting. We are looking at... Galatians mm-hmm. and Les Miserables yes. today. Which which was the first musical I ever watched. Wow. Of, of like live action, I guess. You could call like Disney films musicals, frankly. But I mean, the first like proper full-blown musical, this was the first one I ever watched. Is That's crazy. It is crazy. I feel like you kind of peaked by really? making Les Miserables the first live action musical you watched because it is well, basically top of the top. No, wait, hold on. Let me contend. Okay. Contend. Because there are far less singable songs. Mm. than others. Okay, true. Right? And it is extraordinarily long. That is true. But that's actually not a complaint from, from me, but it is just a, it's a statement. So it's quite a thing. I really wish I had a better sentence <laughs> <laughs> to describe it. But uh, when you talk about musicals, I think my favorite will always be La La Land. Yeah. Because every, everything is singable. And from the very first time I watched it, I'm like, this is the ending I wanted. It's the ending I always wanted mm. in a weird, weird uh, kind of masochistic way. Mm. That is so I, accurate. I love it. So accurate. And also just Ryan Gosling. But um, lame is, though. It is, I, I think it's, I mean, it's like legendary epic proportions. It is. It, it has, is. It feels like it has lineage it, because it does. It does. I mean, not only historically, but it's, you know, there's a movie before it and in a novel before that. Yes. It's it's a storied tale. It is. And you used that word contend yes. a minute ago. It's a great word. Okay. That's what Paul's kind of doing in Galatians. Hey, Whoa. look at that seg. Segway. Seg. I like that. That's a, a yeah. shorthand for segue. I can't spell it to save my life. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, Galatians. That's one of the shorter letters yeah, that is. you'll read from Paul, at least compared to like Romans or First Corinthians or Second. <laughs> a Corinthians. lot of other things. You know, Isaiah. He, yeah, I, he. There's. there's that's not some a letter. Okay. I, just, I know that's not a letter. I just picked the longest thing I could think of. Yeah, that's. I mean, sixty-six chapters. Yeah. in Isaiah. Remember Wolf that time Donkey. I accidentally decided that would be the one I would read. I remember that story. Yep. Yeah. Let's yep. move on. Told that here. <laughs> <laughs> So Galatians, let's let's take a moment to uh, work through the 
biblical theological themes we find in Galatians. First of all, Galatians was obviously written by the Apostle Paul. Mm -hmm. That's important to know. Probably written in the years between AD 48 and 55, which fun fact makes it one of his earliest letters. Oh, I like that very much. Right up there, probably with 1 Thessalonians. Those are two of his earliest letters. So you're getting Paul in, how would I say it, rare young form, perhaps? Yeah. A fresh faced. It has nothing to do with his face. (laughs) Uh, uh, The ink's not dry. I don't have anything. Let's move on. (laughs) But I'm intrigued. I like this. Yeah. And it's interesting because you get more of his angry may not be quite the right word, but he's very fiery, very zealous. Yeah, I was going to say impassioned. Yeah, he's very, again, young might not be the right word, but he's very early on in his uh, newfound faith in Christ specifically, because he's been a faithful Jew his whole life. Right. But as far as his Christian walk, that's still, relatively speaking, new to him, even though he's a few years in by this point. And you compare that to, say, 2 Corinthians? where he sounds much older and more heartbroken. And you can kind of hear and read in his words, like uh, this is a man who's been through a lot. And perhaps some of that fieriness Mm -hmm. has kind of worn down and been replaced by this more sobered, nurturing, heartbroken kind of fatherly quality. It's very interesting. Yeah. It's a very, it's, um, well, interesting is the word I wanted to use. (laughs) But it's like a, it's like this story arc in the subtext. It is. I love that. Yeah. That's cool. It's really neat. But as far as Galatians goes specifically, some do call this his angriest letter. Again, I I actually think I like the word impassioned Mm. better. It's a very impassioned letter, and he's writing it in response to a crisis in the Galatian churches, namely that the churches were departing from the one true gospel of Christ by seeking justification through the law. So from the best you can gather from the context of the letter, there were probably some Jewish itinerant teachers or some folks to that effect who were basically trying to reintroduce complete obedience to the Mosaic law in order to be justified in the sight of God. Mm. So circumcision kind of figures prominently in that. And you read Paul write a lot about that. But breaking it up into its broader themes, as we like to do here, Paul's three primary themes here are the inadequacy of the law for justification, the necessity of faith in Christ for justification, and the Holy Spirit's role in empowering believers to live according not to the law of Moses as an end to itself, but to the law of Christ. That's what he's going for here. I Okay, here's the thing. Yeah. Are, you, are you ready for this? I'm ready. I'm ready. I love this like low-key angst, mm-hmm. right? I feel like it's like this, this subtle suggestion that the law of the land isn't really good enough. Mm-hmm. And this, this goes to my childhood roots of watching School of Rock. Ah, uh, yes, Jack Black. Shout out to Jack Black, <laughs> friend of the show. You know, like the I, stick it to the man yeah. is in my blood. <laughs> That quote, and like from 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 my earliest days watching that to the conspiratorial madness of living in a modern surveillance state run by a shadow government, also known as right now, the FBI listening to our podcast live through our devices, right. There's something, I don't know, there's just something about this subversive attitude that shines a light on the shortcomings of like the soulless machine. Yeah. I'm not an anarchist, I just want to get that right out of the way, right? I mean, because as you pointed out, that's not what it's about. And, right. And we're going to get into that. It's not, it's not disavowing the law. Right. But it's yeah. this space in between it all. Yeah. 
And I love that. Right. Especially, I think, in the theological, ecclesial, to use some uh, <laughs> fancy words, context that Paul is working in and that we often run in as members of a local church. I think that this is a discussion that we have to come back to again and again and again. Yeah. And it's very pertinent. And so when it comes to, okay, going back to your point about the law. Mm-hmm. Paul argues very, very strongly in Galatians that the law cannot save anyone. There is no one who can be obedient enough to the law to be justified or saved because no one keeps it perfectly. At its most general, and Paul draws this out throughout Galatians, the law does, however, serve two important functions and roles. First of all, it makes sin known, and it's still doing that today. It's still highlighting our own sinfulness and our need to be justified through grace. But it also acted as a school teacher. The Greek term that Paul uses, pedagogos. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> a little Greek <clears throat> lesson for you there. Oh, of course, of course. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, I mean, we get like pedagogy, right? You know, that's where we get our word pedagogy from, like school desire. That's Yeah, no, yeah. For the listeners, I just, it's a blank stare. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, he says that the law functioned as a school teacher to help keep God's people in line until Christ came. It did serve a useful function. And the law in itself is holy and righteous and good, right? The law, the, the law is not evil in itself. It's given by a good and righteous and holy God, but it's not sufficient for salvation, right? You cannot mm-hmm. keep the law and be saved by the law, right. which leads to the next theme that Paul continues to extrapolate throughout Galatians, which is we can only be justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Once we've placed our faith in Jesus, we're sealed and indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and he empowers us to live as transformed people, which kind of answers perhaps a pushback that Paul was, I'm guessing, anticipating, which is, well, if we're saying that you don't get justification through the law, then how are these Gentile believers, Mm. right? Because that's the problem is they're Gentiles. They weren't Jews. Most of the Jews kept observing the law if they became Christian, not as a matter of being saved. It was just, right. oh, this is our culture. This it's ingrained is the in their culture. Right. Yeah. There was nothing, you know, particularly wrong about that. Paul even says as much in Colossians too. He's like, don't let anyone pass judgment on you in regards to days or seasons. But trying to force the Gentiles to keep the law as a matter yeah. of justification, that's where you're running into some really big trouble. And so, of course, Paul answers the pushback of, well, how can they be expected to live if, you know, if we're not going to say they need to be justified by keeping the law perfectly and completely and totally? Mm-hmm. Paul says, well, the Holy Spirit, when you put your faith in Christ, indwells your heart and he transforms your heart to keep the law of Christ. And that's where you get your famous fruit of the Spirit. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And his point being that, of course, when you put your faith in Jesus, your life is supposed to be changed. You're not supposed to. In fact, he contrasts the fruit of the spirit with the works of the sinful flesh, envy, pride, sexual immorality, all those things that you would expect, you know, from a from a great biblical text. <laughs> but he contrasts all those things and saying, of course, if you've been justified by faith in Christ, you're not going to continue to live that way. You're not going to continue to repeatedly indulge those sinful desires and live a lifestyle that's marked by those yeah. marks of the flesh. You're going to live a life that's more more marked by the fruit of the spirit. And so that's how he answers that pushback is by highlighting the transformative power of the Holy Spirit, which again, he draws out. I don't know if we did a podcast on this or an article. I can't remember which, but you get that famous verse where he says, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay. And he tells us how to walk by the spirit in Galatians. He says, how did you receive the spirit? 
Was it by faith or was it by works of the law? Yeah. The implied answer being you receive the spirit by faith. That's how you walk by the spirit, by believing and trusting in the promises of God, the specific promises of God. Yeah, we did. We dealt with this in a podcast. I'm remembering this. Okay. Now. This is coming back to me. I think it was an AMA we did many, 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 many oh, weeks back. Okay. But that's what he's dealing with in Galatians. And it really hinges, if you were going to boil it down to the two things it's really, I think, navigating and that Paul is trying to help us thread the needle on is the relationship between law and grace and how grace is kind of the fulfillment of the law and enables us to keep a new and better law, which is the law of Christ, the law of love, the law of self-sacrifice. And yeah, those those sorts of things, I guess, is the way to to summarize it. He seemed very good at anticipating how something would be received. He was very good at that. Yes. He was the master of uh, the pushback. It almost feels too (laughs) casual and too, but... I mean, that's what it was. I mean, he's doing that all throughout his letters. You see that yeah. all the time in Paul. He's exactly. like, you will say this, and I say <laughs> this. And like, oh, okay, that was good. That was good, Paul. That's good. Yeah. He sees it through to I the mean, end there. And considering it's not like these letters are coming every weekend. No. So no, he's got to get it not. all in there. Yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah. But it's also, I think I also appreciate it because those pushbacks mm-hmm. many times are timeless. So... It's handy. They are. They very, very, very much are. And it's interesting to see how these themes play out in aforementioned yeah. story. Les Mis. Les Mis. Les Miserables. For, for, <clears throat> yeah, for, for the initiated. <laughs> Les Mis. I say this as a person who's only seen it twice in my life. <laughs> That's right. enough. It's long enough. Like, if well, you've stuck it through to the end twice... <laughs> I think you can call yourself uh, yeah. the initiated, but well, I think it's one of the most beautiful pictures of the gospel as a whole, but I think particularly this relationship of law and grace yeah. and how they're... You, I know that you know more about this film, <laughs> so if you want to derail me at any point and be like, actually, that's incorrect... I'm just going to poof, yeah, push you off there. I'm not going to do that. We've already intro this, so my pre-planned intro is absolutely pointless. <laughs> I've already said all of these things organically, which I guess is nice, right? Yes. But the point is, I cried a lot. Ah, man, this is a a tearjerker movie. It's heavy. It is. In every sense of the word, in death and value of life, in so many arenas, this is like not a family film. It's sorrowful. It is. But I I also cried for joy in many scenes because there's also a lot of reward in it. Mm -hmm. You'll you'll have to find that out for yourself. Yeah. I will say that what is so impressive about the narrative is that we get one story after another where people are so deeply failed by the law, or at least like the law of man. Yes. But it plays out so cleverly yes uh, especially in in like the first half i was i was very impressed watching this again because the stories begin to parallel one another mm-hmm. like in very clever ways where they're interweaving and you don't know if it's foreshadowing or is it self-referential to something that happened already it's yeah. it's so <laughs> fun yes. I, that's a that's a dumb word to use <laughs> Considering the content, but it, it's thrilling. I'll yes. say that to, mm-hmm. to see how these how these stories interweave. Yes, but our first one it starts with a man by the name of Jean Valjean. Yes, yeah. otherwise known as Two Four Six O One. I was going to say Hugh Jackman <laughs> or Hugh Jackman, <laughs> otherwise known as Wolverine. <laughs> our story starts with Wolverine. That's right. This is, this is Logan Part Two. I mean, he's in chains. Yes, and it, it becomes clear very quickly that the law has failed him mm-hmm. in ways that I think if we put ourselves in his it is absolutely unthinkable. Right. The story goes, he stole a piece of bread to right. save his sister's dying child, right? Am I right yes. about that? Mm-hmm. And so he's put in chains for 19 years. What? Yeah. 
Are you kidding me? Yeah. Cruel and unusual? Very. What? Is our constitution called it. I don't have a joke. <laughs> I'm, I love that I don't have to have a joke. I just have to admit the truth. I'm a Isn't sham. Isn't it freeing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the whole thing, it's just a feedback loop of defeat. Yes. Because the whole movie doesn't play, take place on a shipyard, obviously. He gets right. on parole. But the horrible thing about parole is that it's lifelong. Right. If he fails to report one time, he's back in chains. Yes. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And not like, oh, this is a nice, cozy, as you pointed out, nice, cozy prison that he's sitting in. Yeah. It is hard labor, oh. cruel taskmasters. It's awful. It is unreal. Talk about insufficiency of the law to redeem someone. Yeah. There's no, there's no hope. Yeah. He that. is not being redeemed. By this. No, there's no reform, I guess, is what I'm, yeah. I'm honing in on. But as it turns out, right, so he gets out, yay, it's the unexpected kindness of a stranger that first opens his eyes. Yeah. I was going to call him a minister until I listened to the soundtrack the entire drive here. He's a bishop. Yeah. So this bishop that he steals from, right, because yeah. he's, he's desperate, right? Yeah, no one's hiring him. Not only does he overlook this crime, but he lies for him, good guy bishop, lies for him, and then gives him more silver. Which, hello, it's silver in yes. a religious context. Yeah. How cool is that? Whoa. It's so ironic because he uses this as a charge for Jean Valjean to be a better man. Right. And the beautiful thing is that he does. Yeah. Uh, the end. That's our podcast. <laughs> if only. <laughs> I'm so glad it's not because that would be a short film. Um <laughs> But that is like the first segment of the first story. Right. Because we skip ahead in time. Mm -hmm. What is it, like eight-ish years? Yeah, it's something like that. He's basically run from the law. He's ditched his identity, reinvented yeah. himself. Yeah. And actually fulfilled that charge. Yeah. Which is great. You feel like, what a happy movie this has become. Yeah, he's become a kind, generous man. Like the grace yeah. that was shown to him has transformed him. Whoa. Oh, uncanny. He keeps the law of Christ. Whoa. <laughs> But, however, there's a woman who works as a seamstress. Yeah. And, like, a business he seemed to oversee. Yes, he does. Okay, cool. Glad I'm getting this right, because I only watched this less than 12 hours ago. <laughs> but you're reminded very quickly, you thought it was happy. Guess what? No. It's not. So, the seamstress, right, her husband has left her, and she's working just to send money along so her child can, like, not die yes. in the streets. And her of... child's not living with her. Ex exactly. Point. Right? So, it's super sad, but it's, like, it's scandalous, apparently. Yeah in this time and place. Yeah. And actually, just as a quick additive, it wasn't her husband. She had had this child out of wedlock. Oh, it was, okay. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. But this, like, dude's scarf. Yeah, he's, he's a, he left. He's yeah. out. But anyway, this becomes known in this little spiteful seamstress circle. <laughs> I, I feel like there was a cross-stitching joke somewhere in there, <laughs> but I was not prepared for that one. But they find out and hold this, like, court of opinion. Yeah. And kick her onto the streets. Right. So it's, like, downhill real fast. And when I say real fast, I mean, like, red light district fast. Yes. It's sad. Yeah. And, in fact, she has this song. This is Anne Hathaway. Right. By the by. She has this song that is, like, so tortured. It is. It is one of the most difficult. Like, okay, I love horror films, and I will watch them all the live long day without flinching. It was difficult for me to watch her song. Yes. It was heartbreaking. Yes. Spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. Bring some Kleenex. <laughs> so, you know, who's going to save her life? That's right, Jean Valjean. Yes. Jean Valjean's going to save her life. Yes. You know, he's a, he's a new man. He's reinvented himself. And uh, this is one of my favorite moments of the film. Yes. On his face is guilt. Yeah. It's like this conflict. Mm -hmm. We know why. 
because while, yes, he's this new man, yes, he's given his life to help others, and many depend on him. Yes. You know, he's in this mayoral position, but he's also just learned that an innocent man may very well pay for his crimes, using that word loosely, yeah. of breaking parole. Yeah. Someone else. Many years to, later, it's yeah. like, oh, they think this was Jean Valjean. Oh, my gosh. So he's now at this huge conflict of conscience. And to complicate matters, he's pledged to this woman that he will personally see to it that her child is taken care of, which is extremely difficult to do when you're in chains. Yes, it is. So it's like, is he going to save this innocent man from taking the fall? Or is he going to just like continue this quote-unquote righteous life and save people? I, I, I don't know what I would do, yeah. frankly. I don't want to think about it. It's difficult <laughs> Difficult is putting it lightly. But guess what? Our boy Jean Valjean does both. Oh, he does! Oh, what, what, a, what a man. So to say he does both may almost be giving him too much credit. Yeah. <laughs> because he like bursts in the courtroom. He's like, hey, it's me. This is my number. This is me. That is me. Yeah. That guy, not me. I'm me. And then he's like, bye. Yeah. And, and he, he just leaves. leaves the court, which is lucky. Because then he actually does have the opportunity to go to track down this little girl and rescue her from poverty. Of yeah. course. Yes. What an impressive thing. That I can't describe with words. On this <laughs> I mean, it's just it's it's too much. What a selfless thing. Yes, really. It's like wow. But this this all of this mm-hmm. is just the first act. Yeah, which is phenomenal. We've we've hit these poignant story arcs. Yes, that begin to interweave. But there are whole characters as you're sitting here listening to our podcast that you don't know about because we haven't covered. Yeah, but are full of their own story. I mean, the law has a face, yeah. right? That sounds weird. But his name is Javert. Oh, Russell Crowe. Yeah. Wow. Which while we're on the topic, he's like not just a villain. No. Because I mean, he's almost like not a villain. No. He's not. But he does fulfill an antagonist's role. He does. He truly believes in what he does as as the righteous path. Yeah, and and I think that highlights another aspect of the argument of scripture uh, is that people, I think, sometimes coming out of labor is fresh, like, oh, yeah, Javert's the villain. Like, right. no, no, no. The law is holy and righteous and good. Javert's problem is he can't see when laws aren't good. Yes. That's his problem. He just yes. takes the whole law as the law is good, and he can't see the difference between the law is good and there are laws that aren't good. Which I think, actually, I did. I didn't think about this before, but I think that really that really relates. I think mm-hmm. it really relates to the situation in Galatians where these laws necessarily aren't necessarily bad for the Jewish people to uphold, but can become bad things in a social context for these Gentiles, and it is creating trouble yes. within the church, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's even this song where he describes that you know all he wants to do is see Jean Valjean, quote unquote, safe behind, behind bars. bars. Yeah, wolf doggy. Yeah. <laughs> But it's honestly, his character is is stupendous. Yes. Because there is this strange dichotomy. Mm -hmm. You see him, you know, I don't want to spoil it. Right, you're right. I kind of kept the details pretty early. Yeah, because you got the first act there and that kind of sets it up. But then you've got the whole second act, which is its own. Oh, woof. Because we experience these time jumps. Yeah. Right, which that sounds a little corny. What I mean is like, to put it more eloquently, we follow these people throughout their lives because their lives are like forever intertwined. And so Jean Valjean, right, making an escape from the law with this little girl running from one law basically to uphold another. Yes. Of his heart is really beautiful. Yep. But it's also like a saga. It is. Javert basically is obsessed with him. Yes. Like he he has not stopped hunting for him. Never. Never. It seems that he's moved in position, moved up in position over the years, but Mm -hmm. he's never forgotten 24601. Yeah. And you just get these amazing pictures as you've been pointing out. And I think you really start to see these come to a head here in the second and third act. Oh, yeah. Where the law 
condemns itself is not again the right term, but it's the law proves insufficient. Like Javert, again, not to spoil anything, but he <laughs> you find he can't live. He can't live with this reality where grace is prevenient and real. He can't reconcile. It's like them. a psychic break in that moment. Yeah. And it's just amazing to see how, as you pointed out, the law in itself, it didn't have the power to transform Jean Valjean. It was grace that did that. Yeah. Grace transformed him and led him on a path of intertwining transformation for many other people. Oh, yeah. I mean, he pays this forward. I don't even like saying that phrase. I think it's a little contrived, but it's what he does. Right. Basically, he learns from this and then offers that same grace to people. Yeah. And that same mercy Mm -hmm. in ways that saves their lives, whereby the law of the land would have them in chains or dead. Yeah. Like it's amazing. Yeah. It is a powerful story. Very illustrative of Galatians. I think a lot of the principles in Galatians, but also the whole gospel. Yeah. And it's just the true. essence of the whole gospel is in that story. And I just think it's absolutely beautiful. And you know, here's the thing. I understand you're a listener. Musicals might not be your thing. Sure. That's very fair. I feel like that's kind of a niche thing. Watch the one with Liam Neeson and Jeffrey Rush. Oh boy. Classic rendition. It's not a musical. It just, it basically, it's just a normal movie. Normal movie. No, I have not seen that. I'm going to assume Jeffrey Rush is Javert. He is. Okay, yes. Good. That's that's yeah. the only way I want it to be. Yeah. Yeah. And Liam Neeson, of course, plays Jean Valjean. And beautiful. Or read the novel for all we care. I mean, it's long and Victor Hugo gets off on some... <laughs> they didn't write novels the same way, you know, a couple centuries ago as they do now. So, uh, you know, of course, it's just man. different. But beautiful story. Cannot commend it to you highly enough. And I do personally recommend the musical just because... Uh, yeah. Just so moving. And you get some character arcs and stories in the musical that you don't get in the classic really? film rendition. It yeah. almost doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And also, I will just say the music... I mean, just music in general has, has such power to bring things to life. It does. If you are like me and you occasionally download musical soundtracks tracks after you've watched them. (laughs) This is definitely one of those movies where when you're listening to the soundtrack, all the scenes come back to your mind, I find. And especially because this is a little bit different from other musicals. I'm getting off on tangents here, but we're about to wrap it up. This movie is, when we say musical, I don't think there are more than probably five or six spoken lines of dialogue. (laughs) If that, almost everything is sung. Which sometimes yeah. does great people. It's not like La La Land right, or right. The Greatest Showman, just recent musicals that I can think of off the top of my head, where you get moments of normal dialogue right. and then you get these songs thrown in there. No, this this movie is... This is like an operatic saga. Yes, but it is oh, so good. It's very it's, it's very powerful. Yeah. Read Galatians and watch Les Mis. Yeah. You know, that's what I say. Mm. Just do it. Do it. Just do it. Do it! Yeah, it's I'm, a throwback. I'm not sad about it either. Shia LaBeouf. I'll never be sad about Shia that. Shia LaBeouf, man. Where's he at? Who knows? Well, if you got questions, you can send them <laughs> to podcast at horizonschurch.net or interact mm-hmm. with us on social media. Yeah. As always, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.